are tuned into CFCR 90.5 FM. It's time for the nerdy news. It's Punch Radio, and in studio you have Jody and Dave. Hello. And you will hear from Hank and Craig and Brennan. Lots on the plate today, but I don't know yet what the other fellows are talking about. I imagine Hank might talk about what we're talking about because he's also seen it. We went and saw Asteroid City, the new Wes Anderson movie, so we're going to talk about that. But we also have a comic Well, and, you know, we can let him talk about the movie if he wants, and maybe we can just talk about Wes in general, because that's what happens when you go see one of Wes's new movies. Regardless of what you think about it, it takes you back to all the other ones. This is true. Well, then let's just jump in. Okay. So Wes has been making movies for like 27 years and some of them are my favorite movies. I love his aesthetic. His production value alone is great. If you if you don't even count what the stories or the performances are like, just looking at it like eye candy, like browsing through a pretty catalog is enough. And definitely something I think you're going to want to see in a theater, in a reclining seat with a giant screen. Because we haven't been doing that as much lately and uh i'm glad we I'm, I'm glad we got back into it with a movie like this that's like that like a wes anderson movie that's so visually stunning where he set everything up to look a certain way and if you're into that look you're always going to get something out of his films yes absolutely this takes place in in the desert so you get big vistas and bright blue skies so you want to you want to maximize that as much as possible i have to say though going to the movie theater i was really disappointed in the sound quality the theater was it was too loud so it would distort sometimes and it was just abrasive yeah we even kind of moved around to see if it was just something weird that was happening in our section yeah you know maybe you get a couple of speakers that are bouncing off of each other but yeah we we couldn't get away from it and it's too bad because uh the music was a pretty cool feature of uh of asteroid city which it always is he's sort of like quentin tarantino that way in that he has an ability to find little hidden gems or kind of, oh yeah, that song, um, to really move his picture along. So I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. Okay. What is your favorite Wes Anderson movie? It, it's hard, but I would have <laughs> to say Rushmore or Royal Tannenbaums. They basically came out back to back. Uh, and they both have amazing performances, and it depends on my mood, which one of those two is my favorite. And then from there, Moonrise Kingdom and Life Aquatic, I think, are tied. Mm. All great. Yeah, Tannenbaums and Rushmore were probably the first ones we saw, yeah. and then made our way to Bottle Rocket afterward. Correct. So those two, I can see why, why you would pick, because, yeah, they're, they're, there's really nothing like it you know he you're you're watching like a new a new talent on the scene when you're seeing those movies back in the day but i think your third would be my first yeah, and i think i think moonrise kingdom is the one that i where i enjoy the story the most it has an excellent story and you actually are invested in what happens to the the two leads the for sure yeah star-crossed lovers so to speak i think i love rushmore because max fisher resonates with me 
And there's a few little Max Fisher types in uh, Asteroid City. There are all, actually every single one of Wes Anderson's movies has a Max Fisher in it, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm assuming that's probably him. It's his projection. There are some problems with Wes Anderson. I mean, I love him, but at the same time, it's a man, 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 man's world. Yeah. And it's also a very white world yeah very old-fashioned filmmaker in that sense for sure yeah uh he's definitely has some issues with women because daddy issues in every single film poor or absent mothers there are not very many admirable women they're just kind of they're there to motivate some of the men but that that's about it they they, they are plot driven devices rather than characters in of themselves Maybe Ethelene Tannenbaum well, I might be of her. your one. Your, your, that's, she's the first one that came to mind for me. Well, she steps in when Royal just disappears because he's completely irresponsible. But when you actually look at how her children turned out, she's not a good mother. Mm. And she does put her own career as important as whatever happens to her kids. Jeez, what are we saying? Yeah, so there aren't really any good women... Even in Life Aquatic, where you, you have her, she kind of saves the day, yeah. but at the same time, she abandons Steve Zizou. And she's she kind of planted in there as a plot device to create tension between the maybe father and son. Yeah. I don't know if we ever find out. One exception, fantastic Mr. Fox, mm -hmm. has a good mom. She's a good mom. Oh yeah, good call. But, but the rest really don't have a lot of admirable women. Or maybe, them. like you said, absent absent moms. Lots of absent parents in, yeah. in his movies. Yeah, yeah. And, and grief. Dealing with just sorrow is a main theme, even though there is like a lot of laughs. I found this new one to be very Cohen-y, actually. It okay. had a lot of moments in it where it's like, I feel like I'm watching... A Joel and Ethan Cohen movie. Are you talking about the like the the way the narration? No, more like like the song. There's like a song uh, in the middle of it that's very Coheny. A sure. lot of the like periphery characters are very Coheny. Yeah, okay. Just the setting of it itself is it, it's very American. Yeah, I just that's what made me think of like Brian Cranston, who is sort of narrating the piece. And, uh, yeah, performs it in a very, like, stare straight into the camera, rigid kind of way. That is, I think we've seen that in some Coen Brothers movies before. We have. And I, we've talked about this before with Wes Anderson's movies, like Grand Budapest Hotel and Dijarling Limited to a certain extent, and very much so this, this new one. Feel like Fantastic Mr. Fox, in a way, in that, like, the performances are like puppets like he it seems like he treats his cast he gets the best he gets the biggest stars and yet he just places them like puppets yeah they don't really move around a lot they're set in the center of the frame staring right at the camera that's the way he films a conversation right is yeah. for those two shots to just flip back and forth with both people kind of staring right at you and yeah, I guess, you know, then when you do get like a dance sequence or a chase sequence or something, it's like he's breaking the stillness and it's really, really easy to dazzle an audience that's just been staring at these headshots for sometimes maybe 10 to, 10 to 12 minutes in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would be really surprised to hear that there was much improv. Like he, he feels like he is tough. Like not, not bad to work with, but just that he has a vision, he knows exactly what he wants, he asks for it, he gets what he wants. Yeah, and there were a few times in this movie where I had a little laugh to myself just thinking like, wow, like somebody actually did write that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 There's some, some goofy vernacular. <laughs> yeah. But enjoyable. That, 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 I think, is the word for this movie. Enjoyable. I didn't love it. It's not my favorite Wes Anderson, but I'm really glad that I went, and I really enjoyed myself. Yeah, I don't know where it'll fit in for me. It won't. It, it probably won't be in the the top five, but, like, it, I can't definitely say it would be in the bottom five. And hopefully, uh, hopefully we get to see him make a lot more movies. Yes, I hope so too. So go see it. We haven't really told you too much about it because I don't want to spoil it. It's only been out a week. So go and check it out. Yes, that's, that's our recommend. Yeah. All right. Well, let's throw things over to the fellas. And then when we come back, we'll have time to just briefly talk about a new comic from uh, the team which brought you Something is Killing the Children. So... Take it away, fellas. Hey, everybody. It's Craig Sullivan on Punch Radio on CFCR 90.5 FM. And I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Hank Cruz. How you doing? Hank Cruz. How am I doing? I'm, uh, I'm getting excited because you know what? Uh, uh, I was going to mention this because I, I don't know uh, if you've seen it already. But uh, last night, uh, the new Indiana Jones came out. So my son and I went. But we shouldn't say anything because of the spoilers and it, let's just say it's indiana jones like yes. come on yes i saw it last night too oh, let's okay, uh, let's maybe wait a week uh yep. and, and no spoilers we unpack it give people a chance to see it this weekend and if we wait a week and if you haven't seen it a week from now and we talk about it too bad you've had a week <laughs> like come on that's on you so yeah. let's let's go back to indiana jones later but let's first talk about a couple of other things that uh we've been watching what have you been watching there was a show that my sister recommended to me. Uh, and for, uh, this is very odd because usually I watch everything and I recommend things to her. Um, but she uh, saw the show called Jury Duty, uh, which was on, I forget which channel in the States, like a, it's part of Amazon, but they have their own channel in the States. Or like I forget Stars or TNT or something. Like, like something. And I'm like, all right. So it's about this guy named Ronald or Ron who goes uh, for jury selection, unaware that everybody else is an actor. And so he's unaware that the whole thing is fictional. Uh, the court case is fake. Uh, everything's been made just for him. And so it's eight episodes and they go through and everybody is like treating this like the real deal to see how far they can make it with Ron and uh, kind of more into, I guess it's more of a reality kind of show. It's uh, written by one of the people um, that wrote a couple episodes of The Office. It's kind of a, but James Marsden is in it uh, playing uh, a crazy version of himself like very full of himself uh guy but if you watch it and don't know if you didn't know that it was fake you would have no idea and so you'd be like ron and watching it so uh, it's only later when they're showing like kind of behind the scenes some things like that where you're really like how much of this is scripted and how much but the premise is they want to fool this guy and see uh what would happen to see if it's going to be funny or see what's going but in the end i think it was kind of mean so uh, was the guy real or sorry yeah. like 
Like, yeah, so the guy, like, he's like a, a guy. He doesn't that, know who James Marsden is. He doesn't know. Is. He got this uh, thing in the uh, in the mail for jury duty, and he shows up, and uh, he had no idea. And they um, told him that they were going to film a kind of documentary about uh, the jury selection and the jury process of what it's like to be on a jury. And so he's like, oh, okay. So he signed consent to be filmed and everything, and he's just going along. But everybody else in the show is an actor. This guy has no idea. And as it turns out, a lot of it was pretty funny. Uh, James Marston was pretty funny in it. But it, uh, yeah, I don't know if it was mean or not uh, to lie to this guy the whole time, thinking that he was like, he's like in it to win it for this case. And he's like really invested and like, I'm going to be a, and like in the end, it was all fake. Uh-huh. And it's just a look in his face. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, sorry, man. Like the whole thing, like this is even real at all. I'm like, sounds huh. like something uh, Nathan Fielder would make, uh, right? Like the rehearsal or something. But yeah, so it's uh, uh, it's on Amazon Prime now in Canada. Uh, so an interesting watch. And then I checked out the first four episodes of High Desert on uh, Apple, um, where Peggy, a former addict who decides to make a new start after the death of her mother who she was living with in a small desert town in California. She makes a life-changing decision to become a private investigator. So it stars Patricia Arquette. And if you like Patricia Arquette, you will thoroughly enjoy this show because it's Patricia Arquette being pretty like, she's like doing her thing here. If you don't enjoy Patricia Arquette, do not press play on this because it's all her. It's all her all the time. And I, in fact, uh, quite enjoy uh, her in numerous of uh, in numerous roles she's been in. Uh, so this one for me is very funny. It's dark, uh, quite enjoyable. So if you like her, check it out. Apple. Nice. That's cool. I uh, recently watched a movie called The Civil Dead, uh, which is a, I guess I would call it a bit lower budget of a movie. Uh, it's about a, misanthropic struggling photographer whose wife goes out of town and so he just wants to like watch tv and drink beer and eat candy while she's gone but this is a bit of a spoiler but it's it's not really pretty much the synopsis but an old friend i'll just call him from the town where he he lives in la and an old friend from the town that he used to live in who had also moved out to la shows up but it's quickly revealed that uh, this friend is dead so he's the ghost basically and so there's just a whole bunch of rules that come with that. He can't like, uh, you, you know, he can't lift objects and stuff. So he can't get indoors. Uh, <laughs> so he, and the only person that can see him is this guy whose wife's out of town. And like I said, he kind of hates people already. So it's a pretty funny, I don't know if I'd call it a buddy comedy. Like it's, it's dark and obviously that gallows humor, but it is uh, sort of this, you know, funny as they kind of navigate the situation together. I might've taken it some different places. I think there was a whole bunch of things you could have done with this. Like it, it it was a really interesting premise uh, and they, and it, they do well with it, but it definitely get, it's like, it, it kind of go, it gets dark. I'll just, I'll just say that. So um, I was just looking up who uh, who's in the movie and I'm excited now because I don't recognize uh, most of these people. Well, and the two guys that star in it, uh, what was the guy's name? It's like uh, Clay Tatum and Whitmer Thomas. Uh, in fact, I think they even use their own names in the movie, like Clay plays Clay and Whit. Yeah, Whit. it says Clay, Clay, and uh, Whitmer plays Wit. Yeah. Right. So uh, the <laughs> and, main and Bud, character. Uh, Bud Diaz plays Bud. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the main character is also the director, and then two main characters co-wrote it. So definitely worth checking out if it comes to town here. I had a screener for it, so uh, but I'm sure you'll see it pop up eventually. It's called The Civil Dead. Now, 
we want to quickly talk. We got a few minutes left here. Uh, as we said, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny uh, opens this yeah. week. And we were talking off mic about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull uh, yeah. from 2008, which when it came out was uh, heavily panned and lambasted by especially people like us, the fans. And you and torn I were apart. Yeah, torn apart. I mean, all the you remember. Uh, stuff, sorry, that's yeah. a that South Park episode um, where uh, they had uh, George Lucas and uh, Harrison Ford and Steven Spielberg like right. doing horrible things to each other. <laughs> they, they had them doing horrible things to Indiana Jones. And uh, yeah, it went wow. Like everybody just like ripped that thing apart. Yeah. So uh, both of us recently had a chance to rewatch it. Uh, what, like, what, what did what did you think? I think you said you watched. So, it with your son. Um, uh, my son and I went, and he uh, had not been introduced to all things indie. And with a new movie coming out, I'm like, here we go. So we watched all the movies together. Uh, he loves it. So when it came to Crystal Sky, I warned him, and I was like, now when we go to watch this movie, it's not going to be. I said, but you know, we have to watch it because the new one's coming out. And he loved it. And uh, I actually found it more entertaining. I think maybe because I was watching it with him, but it wasn't as bad as I remembered. Like, sure, you get the Shia LaBeouf and monkeys and trees and swinging around and being dumb, but uh, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Still, uh, I would say out of uh, all of them, uh, not including the new one, uh, to me, it's the worst, but uh, not as bad as I, I was entertained. So I went, okay, I didn't I didn't want to turn it off. Yeah, I I think I'm similar i don't know if i go quite as far as that i mean i think i agree with most of what you said but it's definitely by far still the worst one the first three are great and i know some people don't like the second one because it gets too dark and uh and it hasn't held up well uh to our current times but uh, i always liked the darkness of that one but it it, it yeah so crystal skull a it has some real silliness in it uh obviously he <laughs> blown up by a nuclear bomb and lives through that at the start you mentioned the the monkeys and shia labeouf no. being tarzan and there's a whole bunch of other garbage in there. I do like that they uh, bring back uh, Karen Allen as uh, Marion Ravenwood. Uh, and I don't even mind that they connected it to like that Shia LaBeouf is his son and all this stuff. Uh, but some of the silliness, I was like, this is just too campy. And then I remembered like, well, in Temple of Doom even, like there's the whole scene where they're on the mine carts and that's pretty campy. But I was like, well, does the darkness of that movie like balance that out somehow? I'm not sure. I just couldn't figure out why one Indiana Jones was allowed to be campy to me and the other one not. Uh, but mostly what I noticed this time is it was a bit of an improvement. I was like, okay, it's not quite as bad as I remembered it. But I feel like it felt like an Indiana Jones movie written by AI, where it was like, there was lots of great fun scenes in it. They didn't always come together in the same way that they do. I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark is studied uh, in screenwriting class. It's one oh, of the yeah. best screenplays ever written. So, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to compare to something like that. But uh, so, yeah, ultimately, we're running out of time here. I, I hope that the Dial of Destiny is better than Crystal Skull, because as much as I didn't mind it this time around, I, I think it, we still got to be better than Crystal Skull by a mile to be to be good. But yeah, I'll say as a critical reappraisal, it was okay versus like how much I hated it before that. Yep, because I, I was angry. I was angry right. when I saw it in the theater and I did not watch it again until uh, watching it. And then now I'm like, yeah, all right. Even the alien stuff, I'm like, okay, it was. No, kind of I never, I didn't, I didn't mind that stuff either. I know that was a sticking point for people, but okay, well, that's all the time we got for today. We're going to throw back to Jody and we'll talk about Dial of Destiny next week. Goodbye. So it was Brennan's birthday this week and he did not get his uh, segment done. So in lieu of that, we want to make an announcement and play you a song. Amazing Stories has been nominated once again for an Eisner Award, and actually this year so has another comic store in Saskatoon, 
Quentin's on 8th Street has also been nominated. So we both made the first cut, so we're down to 28 stores. And then later in July, they will announce the top five. And then at the San Diego Comic-Con on July 21st, I believe, they will announce the best store in the world. And Amazing Stories has been a finalist a number of times, never managed to clinch the deal. So we wrote this song, Always a Bridesmaid, Never a Bride, Eisnerless, and uh, that was our submission. So hopefully it gets their attention and maybe we can take home the gold medal this year, finally. Anyways, I had the help of the Punch Crew. Hank made our video, which is amazing. And... Craig took my janky little tune and turned it into gold. It sounds super slick and produced. So thank you guys so, so much for uh, all your efforts in getting our application in. So without further ado, here is our Eisnerless application. We've been in business for 30 years. Trying to be the best. Right. 
guys so a new comic came out this week called the oddly pedestrian life of christopher chaos it's based on an idea by james tinney and the fourth and he has been just like writing a ton lately so the script is by tate bromble and the art is by isaac goodhart and it's about a kid his name is christopher and he is kind of a mad scientist he's a teenager He's going through the angst that teenagers go through. Heavy, heavy. But at the same time, he has a remarkable gift for science, and he sees the world differently, which is, it causes him a lot of angst. And he is a genius, and he is able to, to put it to good use, but it makes his life really hard. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot again. Is Christopher Chaos a superhero comic? I think so. Yeah, we, we, it's hard to tell from just issue number one. He does have powers. Yes. He's maybe set up by the narrative to be heroic because there's a lot of like fourth wall breaking stuff going on. Yep. And, uh, you know, the, the style of this comic is a little different in, in that way. But it's not, we can't definitively place this in like superhero no. territory just yet not yet he does super have... abilities maybe and a noble intent maybe but i don't i don't know if it's super or hero yet at this point he has an opportunity to be courageous and flees and then feels really guilty about it true so that might propel him to do more in the future i read a review of this after i read this and it suggested that maybe he is the grandson of dr frankenstein but there really is no overt way of communicating that in this comic. Like, nobody says anything. He does bring a pigeon back to life. No spoiler. But, uh, so there's the resurrection that maybe could hint at that. But I don't know if those abilities are genetic. Yeah, I don't you know. Cause, because if, you're, if your grandpa could resurrect life, does that mean that ability would be passed on to you? I guess we know so little about resurrection. 
this is true, but if you have a preternatural keen towards science and sure. biology, sure. Then, then maybe that's passed down. Which which Victor Frankenstein certainly had. Yes. Yeah. So, don't know yet. Need to read more. We will do that. We like the way it was written, though. And, you know, it's yeah. kind of a cool-looking comic, too. Was this an image publication? This oh. is Dark Horse. Or Dark Horse, yeah, I'm sorry. No. So, yeah. anyways, we'll see where it goes, and we will report back. And that wraps up our show, because we're out of time. Okay. So you know where to find us here every Friday on CFCR at 6 o'clock. In the meantime, keep your dukes up.